Hebrews uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the exact radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Our third lesson from Hebrews has to do with Christ's creatorship, and it is this. Jesus is better than evolution. Jesus is is better than evolution. Now, before you laugh or smile or or grimace, depending on which creation camp you find yourself in, let me explain uh, why we're taking the time to uh, expound on this point for this morning, that Jesus is better than evolution. You, You see, when we started our study, reminded you of the audience uh, that the book of Hebrews is written to, and they're Grecian Jews, which uh, and Christians, so they're Christians, but they didn't hear from Jesus, they never saw Jesus, the second generation. So after Christ ascended into heaven, they received Christ. Uh, they come from a Jewish background, um, but they're surrounded in Greek culture. And so I uh, hear when this letter is written, and their whole world is falling apart, they're being persecuted and thrown in jail and put to death. They're wondering, should we stick with it? And and the author is, yes, 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 you should. Jesus is better. And one of the things that he points to as to why Jesus is better is creation, okay? He points to creation. He, he, he says the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. He says he sustains all things. But before that, he says, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. One of the things that, that, that the author points to is creation. He says, listen, don't turn away from Jesus. He's better. He's creator of everything that we know. And so he points to this, this creatorship as a reason uh, that Jesus is more excellent than anything else or any other place that they can turn. And that's a big deal. And it was a big deal for them. And it should be a big deal for us. And, and now, remember, they're surrounded by Greek culture. And, and we have now rightly identified that all because the Greeks had some crazy thoughts about, about how life began. They had some crazy thoughts about creation. And we have now rightly labeled all of those thoughts myths. We call it mythology. So we don't really have to worry about that. That doesn't apply to us. But today in our age, there there is a modern day mythology that does. And it's called evolution. And this morning, I want you to see that Jesus is better than it too. So this morning, just four reasons why Jesus is better than the myth or the mythology called evolution. And here's the first. Jesus is better than evolution because he creates out of nothing. Jesus is better than evolution because he creates out of nothing for all that we have been taught and force fed about evolution in our public school system, in our textbooks, and by our college professors. They left out this one pretty important fact. Evolution does not and cannot explain the beginning of life. Doesn't address it. Cannot address it. Now, now, now listen, some of the smartest uh, people that believe in evolution in our world are, are scientists. And so when they try to uh, explain the origin of life, it's kind of funny Because some of these brilliant men uh, choose to say that life began uh, because of aliens. So they and I'm not joking. These are these are world-renowned scientists saying life began. We we can't explain it. We we, it was probably aliens, something like that. Now now some others of them world-renowned. They say no. You know what? It was an alien. That's a little far-fetched. It was it was primordial soup. Um, and, and this is what they mean. There's, I mean, there's a warm, probably volcanic puddle somewhere, and it had a bunch of molecules in it, and none of those molecules were alive. But somehow, that puddle either got struck by a meteorite, which would 
make all the stuff fall out of it anyway, but we won't go there. Or by lightning, and, and, and somehow that caused these, these inanimate, these, these, these molecules that were, were not alive to become alive. And then over a period of billions and billions of years, those, those, those molecules began to form together and evolve and add to their DNA or their genetic structure uh, via mutation and, and become bigger and better organisms. It's the primordial soup theory. The, the only problem is that really smart scientists today are even saying, well, you know what, that, that doesn't really work. And, and so I want you to hear what, what today's the modern evolutionary professors and writers are saying about the origin of life. And, and so here's one, 2007, Harvard chemist George Whitesides. Uh, he, now, now, he's a smart guy. In fact, he won this award called the Priestly Medal, and the Priestly Medal is is, is handed down uh, by the American Chemical Society for it's the highest award that they have. So this guy's sharp, and, and in his acceptance speech, this is what he says about the origin of life. He says the origin of life. This is one of the big ones. Uh, this problem is one of the big ones in science. It it begins to place life and us in the universe. Now, most chemists believe, as as do I, that life emerged spontaneously from mixtures of molecules in the prebiotic earth. That's the soupy kind of theory, maybe. He says, how? I have no idea. So, I, I, I don't know. Okay, check out another one. This this is uh, Greg Easterbrook is is a science writer. He actually writes on a lot of things. 2007, he wrote an article for Wired magazine, and this is what he says. He says, "What creates life out of the inanimate compounds that make up living things? No one knows. How how were the first organisms assembled? Nature hasn't given us the slightest hint. If anything, this 2007, the mystery has deepened over time." This is a, a, another quote from a leading um, cell biologist. And this is what he's saying. He's talking to other scientists saying, we've got to figure something else out. He says, uh, new approaches to investigating the origin of genetic code are required. The constraints of historical science are such that the origin of life may never be understood. Evolution does not have any way to address the origin of life. They cannot. It's kind of like the joke I once heard, right? There were a bunch of scientists and, and they were getting pretty smart. And, and, and you know what? They, they kind of figured out how to do this cloning thing. And so they, they, they called out God and they said, hey, God, listen, we don't need you anymore. We've got this covered. We figured out how to clone a sheep. And, and God kind of come down. He said, hey, man, good job. Way to use the brains that I gave you, man. You guys are pretty smart, right? He says, but, you know, I made more than sheep. I made you. And they're like, oh, humans. And they said, well, okay, well, well, we'll go back to the lab and we'll figure it out. And so they went back to the lab and they studied and they researched and they figured out how to clone a human being, right? And so they came back to God. See, God, I told you we could do it. Man, look at us. We, we've, made, we've made life. We've made humanity. We, we really don't need you anymore. And God said, well, that's, that's great and all. But, you know, I, I started with the dust. I started with the dirt. And so, so they began to, to scoop up some dirt and take it back to the lab. And God said, hold on one second. Use your own dirt. See, and science can't do that. Science can't do that. They can't use their own dirt. The point is science can't, evolution can't explain the origin of man or the universe. It can't start with nothing, but Jesus did. This is what Hebrews says. This is by his son, this is verse 2, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. John echoes this point in John 1, uh, 1 through 3. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Uh, without him, nothing was made that has been made. Paul chimes in in Colossians 1.16. He says, uh, for in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, 
All things have been created through him and for him. And all these passages speak in manifold witness to the truth of Genesis 1.1, which says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus, God, the Word of God, makes everything out of nothing. How did we get here? By the power and the purpose of God. Jesus is better because He creates out of nothing. Evolution can't do that. Number two, Jesus is better than evolution because He makes better new things. Jesus is better than evolution because he makes better new things. Now, any scientist worth their salt is going to tell you that true science must be observable. Okay? True science must be observable. If something cannot be observed and cannot be replicated, then then it cannot be proved. Okay? Then it's not scientific fact. Now, the theory of evolution states that organisms developed from a very simple state into a a more complex, diverse state over the course of billions and billions of years through mutation. All right. However, this I'm going to call it this positive mutation uh, that somehow produces new genetic um, information in an organism. Get this. It has never been observed ever. In fact, fill in the blanks with me. This is one of your points. There is no known observable process by which new genetic information can be added to an organism's genetic code. None. There is no known observable process by which new genetic information can be added to an organism's genetic code. In fact, what we observe in nature, what we see in science, is exactly the opposite. Scientific observation has actually shown us that organisms in nature lose genetic information over time. Now this is huge because what it means is that all of the new species are actually not better species, but they're merely a shadow of who they were meant to be. They're not better, they actually have less genetic information than they had before. Evolution cannot produce... Better new things. But Jesus can. In Genesis, he made everything out of nothing. Everything that we see and we don't see. And he said it was very good. In Genesis 3, we have man's story and the fall of man. And sin enters the world, right? And because of that, we are separated from God. And because of that, not only are we cursed. Remember, he says to Eve, hey, childbearing is really going to stink for you. He says to Adam, guess what? Now you get to go to work, buddy. Woohoo! thank you. And there's a curse. But not only that, but the whole earth is cursed accordingly. Genesis 3.17 And from that point on, from that separation, sin has continued to to move at a rapid rate and get worse and worse. And and, and nothing is is stopping it. Humanity and and, and all of creation is going downhill. It's getting worse. But again, that's where Jesus steps in. Jesus came and and, and, and being fully God made himself nothing and, and, and became a servant, becoming obedient to the point of death. So Jesus came and he lived and he died and he conquered death and he rose again and he ascended into heaven and he did that so that we could have new life. Now John 3 describes this new life as being born again. Is being born again, is being made new, right? And in this process, Jesus makes us into this new creation. Now, Ephesians 2 tells us what we were. It says that before we were Christ, we were enemies of God, we were objects of His wrath, we were dead, we were far away, we were foreigners, and we were aliens. Now that's who we were. 
Okay, but Jesus made us new. So we, when we're born again, we become a new creation. Second Corinthians five seventeen explains it like this. Therefore, uh, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And so what happens, if you can imagine this, Ephesians 2, we go from being enemies of God and objects of God's wrath, we go from being separated and far away, aliens and foreigners, to becoming sons and daughters of God, heirs of God, um, uh, we, we, we become forgiven and free and righteous and redeemed. The new things and the new creations that evolution points to are always less than they were. But in Christ, we are so much more. In Christ, we are so much more. We are so much better. Jesus makes better new things. And we are living proof of that. Number three, Jesus is better than evolution because he gives purpose. He gives purpose. Richard Dawkins is an evolutionary biologist and an atheist, by the way. Most of them are. All of them are. What am I saying? Maybe there's an agnostic in there, too. Richard Dawkins, evolutionary biologist. I want you to hear what he says uh, about um, the purpose of life. He says, humans have always wondered about the meaning of life. Ready? Life has no higher purpose than to perpetuate the survival of DNA. Life has no design, no purpose, no evil and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. That's the driving thought behind all evolutionary theory. This is what we teach our kids in the school system. This is what they encounter their freshman or sophomore year in college from some big bad professor in a class of three or four hundred that declares that God is, is, is not alive, that God is dead because he read some philosophy book. And we wonder why this, this, the, the, these young generations, I mean generations of young um, students and young adults are, have no direction in life and no purpose in life. We wonder why they're lacking motivation. Why be motivated? There's no point. But that's what they've learned. That's what's been instilled in them. If there's no purpose to life, they have no reason to work hard. They have no, there's no motivation at all. There's no purpose. But Jesus is better than that. Jesus came to give us life and purpose. John 10.10, 10, he said, the thief came to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Ephesians 2.10 says that we were made in Him to do good things, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. John 15 says that if we'll just walk in Him, that we'll bear much fruit. And as we do, that we'll bring praise and glory to God, which is pretty huge. Matthew picks up on that same thought in Matthew 5.16. It says, listen, if... If uh, that we should um, let our light shine before men that they might see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. And Paul pins our purpose perfectly when he says in 1 Corinthians 10.13, whether we eat or drink in all that we do, we should do it for the glory of God. 
You see, in Christ we have purpose. It means that we exist for a reason. That we exist to join with, with, with the sun and the moon and the stars and the trees and the rocks and the winds and all other living creatures in manifold chorus singing how great is our God and how big is our God. Indescribable and uncontainable. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy and worthy of praise. You are good and your love endures forever. In Christ we get to go and share the good news as ministers of reconciliation We get to go and tell people that God is reconciling the world to himself through his son, Jesus. We get to point not to us, but to him, the savior of all, glorifying God in the work of Christ. Knowing God and making him known in Christ, we have purpose. Jesus is better than evolution. Because of Christ, we have a reason for existence. To glorify God in all that we do. (sighs) Hello, girl. Doesn't like to go to bed at night these days. She does not like to go to bed at night. We've got to do the routine just right, you know. I mean, just right. I've got to, got to get everybody ready, and the boys have to be going to bed too. If she has to go to bed early, that's not cool. She wants to go to bed with the boys. She's got to kiss everybody in the house. Okay? She's got to hug everybody. She's got to get her teeth brushed. She's got to go outside and say goodnight to the moon. Read the little book, Good Night Moon. We had VBS here. We were walking back from VBS. The night, the moon's out every night. I said, okay, well, it's bedtime. And it's 8.30 during VBS. We're walking home. It's bedtime. Say good night to the moon. Said it one time. Now, forevermore, she has to say good night to the moon. And when the moon's not out, she has to say good night to everything else. Good night, tree. Good night, grass. Good night. I mean, everything. We've got to do it just right. It doesn't fly. The moon and the stars and the sun, the reason that's a big deal to her is because that moon naturally reflects the glory of God and the splendor of God. It's a big deal to a kid. She's in awe of it. That's who you're meant to be. That's who you're meant to be. That is who you are created to be. An object that glorifies God that other people look at and go, wow, God's pretty cool. God must be good. Look at that. You have purpose in Christ. Number four, Jesus is better than evolution. Because he not only creates life, he also sustains it. Hebrews 1.3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Evolution can't explain where life came from. It, it can't explain where life is going. It only it, it can't offer any answers as, as to when things are going to end. It just believes the fittest survive. And if you're not one of them, well, too bad. The world will go on without you. In fact, it believes it will be a better place without you. Because after all, you're not really of much importance. Friends, that's chaos. <laughs> That, that, that's waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's doomsday preppers. That's waiting for the next um, global crisis to just end it all. But the Bible tells us that no matter how out of control the world may appear, that Jesus in truth is in control of it all. Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Revelations teaches us that, that all creation is groaning for a new beginning that everything will, will culminate when Christ returns. 
Heaven and earth will be made new and the city of God will come down and, and, and will be here amongst us. And God will be our God and we will be his, his people. Hear me, I know that the world seems like it's in chaos. I know that some of you feel like it is spinning out of control. I know there are some news agencies out there, Fox News, um, that tend to perpetuate that thought. But the truth is that Jesus who created it all is now sustaining it all. And even if you feel like your life is unraveling, God is holding you together. No matter what. Find great comfort in that. Jesus didn't just make it. He holds it all together by his powerful word. So what do we do with that? What do we do? I'll give you a little bit of application. Some of these may not apply to you. Some of them may. Number one, I would implore you, if you are not, be born again. Jesus makes better new things and he can do that with you. But you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You cannot become a child of God. And God is the goal of the gospel. You cannot experience new life without new birth. You've got to be born again. This is, this is what, what Jesus said to Nicodemus, right? You've got to be born again. So I, I would just implore you, be born again. Listen to, to the Spirit's call on your life. When you feel that tug, let go. You've got to be born again. Number two, uh, if you're already a Christian, I would challenge you. You've got to be an ambassador. You've got to. If you know anybody that sells Plexus, you know that's the name. They don't have sales reps. They have ambassadors, which is pretty cool. I like the term because it's biblical. Same is true with us. God has said that we are to be ambassadors of him and of his kingdom. And yet it seems so often that we get caught up in so many other things. We represent so many other things. We represent the place that we work. We represent the, 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 the I mean, you name it. I was, I was upset Saturday because my son had a soccer game and we were playing Georgetown and the only t-shirt I liked was blue and Georgetown's colors are blue and I didn't have a purple shirt clean. I was representing the wrong... That's stupid. I yell loud enough that everybody in Georgetown knows that I'm not rooting for them. According to Jesus, you are his ambassador. So I would implore you, act like it. God has created you for purpose. You weren't made to sit on the sidelines. You were meant to bring Him glory. That's what you're created for. And it doesn't matter if you're an accountant or, or you're a sanitation engineer. You can bring God glory through how you act and how you live and how you eat. and how I mean, you name it. That's what you're meant to do. You are the moon. You are the reflector of His glory. So let your light shine before men. They, they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven, not for your applause, but for His. Be His ambassador. Point to Him in everything you do. Maybe it sounds silly, but you close a sale. Stop and pray. God, thank you. Glorify your name. I thank you that you gave me the ability. You gave me the opportunity, right? 
Whatever it is, what do you do? God, glorify your name. May you be glorified. I praise you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. You do something good and somebody says, man, thank you so much. Praise God. God is good. Point them to him. Be Christ ambassador. Number three. I told Alan uh, this morning we had a little prayer time. This one hit me between the eyes last night as I've been uh, just struggling with some, some fear, which is stupid. Um, I know better. Number three, remember who holds you. Jesus did not just make you. He sustains you. He holds you in his hand by the power of his word, which does not fail, by the way. It never returns empty or void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which it's sent. That's who holds you. That's who holds me. Just remember that. Remember that boast of Christ. Be born again. Follow Jesus with all that you are. He is better. He's better than evolution. Would you pray with me? Um, Father, thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. Thank you for uh, hopefully speaking to our hearts. And, and uh, Jesus, I just pray you're glorified. You, you are worthy of every ounce of it. God, I pray that you would forgive us for um, wrong thoughts of you. So many of us, even as Christians, don't realize how, how deep the, um, the thoughts, the, the mythology of evolution has sat within us. And the truth is that we have given um, science credit for things that, that are your doing. That, that, that we have, have given away your glory. And, and God, that's not what we're intended to do. I pray that we would point to you in all things. And God, I pray that um, for those that are here and they're hurting. And they need to be reminded that they've been made for a reason, for purpose. That they would find that purpose here this morning. And Jesus, that they would turn to you. Right here and right now. Your name I pray. Amen. So here's our invitation this morning. Um, I ran across this powerful, powerful. uh, When you're reading the the Psalms. David in Psalm 40. Prays a little prayer. Um, He prays this little prayer in Psalm 40. It's verse 17. And I'm going to read to you the message version. Because I think it's cool. And uh, here we go. Psalm 40, 17. This is David. He says, and me, I am a mess. I am nothing and I have nothing. And here's the prayer. Ready? Make something of me. And me, I'm a mess. I am nothing and I have nothing. Would you make something of me? Could that be your prayer this morning before God? Would you be that heartfelt before your creator this morning? Jesus has created you for purpose. He's made you new for a reason. And you are better because of Him. His plan for you is better. He, He knows the plans that He has for you. And they're better plans. So stop fighting and surrender to what's better. I know that you feel like junk. Because I feel like junk on a regular basis. I am nothing and I have nothing. God makes something out of me. Would that be your heart's cry? Because that's what he does. Jesus is better than evolution. He 
creates something out of nothing like me and you. Would you let him do it in you 